You're listening to WERALP, Arlington, Virginia, 96.7 FM, streaming and on demand at WERA.FM. I'm your host, Lynn Borton, and this is Choose to be Curious. Welcome. According to Ralph Waldo Emerson, curiosity is lying in wait for every secret, which sounds to me like an invitation to investigation. And it's pretty much what this show is all about. If you've never read Nancy Drew, never took to Columbo, don't really care for CSI, chances are you still are a fan of some super sleuth, maybe even wanted to be one when you grew up. Well, today we got to talk to someone who's living that dream. In preparation for this program, I learned that many of our favorite fictional detectives are based, at least in part, on Eugene Vidoche, a French criminal mastermind turned crime solver who gets credit with a lot of what we think of as modern investigative techniques, things like footprints, crime labs. I have a fun little video clip about him on Facebook. Check it out. Choose to be curious. But really, where better to begin a conversation about solving mysteries than with the big daddy of them all, Sir Arthur Cannon Doyle's Sherlock Holmes. And since I often include a sound from around Arlington that we might be curious about, how perversely delightful to conjure up the famous Holmes line about the curious incident of the dog in the nighttime, where the whole point was that there wasn't a sound, that the absence of something is the something. Jesse on the staff here at WERA wouldn't want me to have silence, dead air, to illustrate that absence of sound, so I'll just give you crickets while you ponder what piques your curiosity. This all relates back to a theory of curiosity that it's at its peak when there's a gap in knowledge or expectation, when things don't quite line up. That's the space that I imagine detectives try to inhabit, but we'll find out. In the curiosity universe, there's a distinction drawn by some people between puzzles and mysteries that puzzles have a specific and finite answer, satisfied in a complete way, with all the pieces falling nicely into place, that appeals to what psychologists call specific curiosity about that one thing. And mysteries, which aren't nearly so tidy, and appeal to an epistemic curiosity that's all about knowledge more generally, and presumably much less likely to ever be fully satisfied. So If you love a good mystery, where do you go? You might head to your local library for a long list of titles or films, or to One More Page Bookstore's Mystery Loves Company book club. You might channel all that curiosity in some professional way. Or you might choose to do some version of both, which is basically what Sarah Bertolini did. Detective Bertolini is with the Arlington County Police Department Criminal Investigation Section Homicide Robbery Unit. She is living the dream. Sarah, I'm delighted to have you here. Welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. So I love that you're a Sherlock Holmes fan, <laughs> even as a kid. Tell me about that. I I don't even remember how I got introduced to the stories at first. I, I think it was PBS, um, honestly, because they used to run... They used to run a series. Um, oh, yeah. And yeah, I don't know if I went from there to the library and started pulling out the books um, or what, but 
they had the complete works of Sherlock Holmes, and I still remember it was this yellow, ugly yellow cover on it, <laughs> and I, I would check it out over and over and over and over again and just read the stories, and I think I told you a while ago, the pages started falling out. I love that. So what is it about them that appealed to you? It wasn't just the stories. I think it, I think it was the character Sherlock Holmes himself and, and how he got from point A to point B to point C, you know. And, and just kind of figured everything out, whether it was, you know, the person writes with his right hand versus his left hand, you know, due to the ink and, you know, on the hand and, and what they did for a particular trade due to the clothes that they were wearing or shoes or anything. It was just, I don't know, it was always interesting to me. And were you, um, did you think of yourself as a curious kid or did your parents think of you as a curious kid? I know I was just by the nature of what I, I did. I don't, I don't ever recall anybody specifically pointing it out to me but I grew up in the country there really wasn't much else to do other than observe things and try to find stuff to, uh-huh. <laughs> to pay attention to oh, and look at. yeah well lots to pay attention to right so what actually brought you to law enforcement and detective work when I was a kid my mom went back to school uh, and she started taking classes at the local community college and at the community college level most of the classes are taught by instructors who are currently or have previously done the, the work that they're that they're instructing you on and I sat in with her on several criminal justice classes and, and legal classes and those instructors would use real life analogies and real life stories from situations that they had come across to try and get their point across about that lesson and it just it was just fascinating to me hmm. um, so yeah. did your mother pursue a career in law enforcement as well? No, she didn't. No? Um, but she, it, the coursework obviously paid off. There you are. Yeah, <laughs> it was me. So. That's great. That's great. So, I don't know, give me the 90-second version of what it actually means to be a detective in Arlington County. A lot of work, a lot of patience, varied hours. Um, you just kind of have to have the drive. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a job in the, in the department that you do solely because you love it. And if you do not love it, if you do not find something something in it that satisfies you, you're not going to stay there. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. So I have to ask, since you're in the homicide and robbery unit, how many homicides are there in a typical year in Arlington? Honestly, it varies. We've yeah. gone a couple years without any. Uh-huh. Um, 2012, I think we had several, five, four or five, something like that. Hmm. Um, this year, we're at one so far. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, it doesn't feel like a jurisdiction where there's as much of that, but as you say, I can think of years where there's definitely been some variation in that. Yeah, yeah. and there's, at least in my unit in particular, you don't necessarily, it's not just homicides or robberies. We do the malicious woundings. We do the assaults. Mm. Um, we Occasionally, we help out with critical accidents, things like that, some suspicious or unnatural deaths. Uh, so a variety of different things. Yeah. Keep busy. Yeah, it sounds like it. So I've read that good detective work demands curiosity, urgency, and a thirst for knowledge. Does that sound right to you? Very much. <laughs> How so? It depends on, on, on the situation. Well, I shouldn't say that. On all situations. You're there to try and figure out what's what's left to find out, whether you're given a complete mystery and you need to figure out who did this and why and, and all the other little details that you do in it's a basic writing class in, in, in high school, you know, the who, what, when, where, how, why. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's, it's a matter of constantly keeping 
at the case in particular. Um, we've got one individual in our unit that does cold case, and she, she kind of keeps after these crimes years years later. Uh-huh. She's still going back, trying to figure out what she missed or what new technology might be out there that uh, that could make that change in that And I case. think I've read, actually, that a lot of cases aren't solved in that first year. They do take a long time to solve. Is that the case? It can, yeah. um, depending yeah. on the case. Uh, sometimes you just don't Sometimes you don't have the information right down in there. Sometimes you don't have the technology. Sometimes you don't have the people that come forward who know something but don't necessarily realize that they know it. And it takes time to, to figure out who they are and to track them down. And um, it, it can be time consuming. It's not that, uh, you know, done in an hour episode like TV. <laughs> right, right. Um, so what do you do to hone those skills. I mean, I think of that as sort of building your curiosity muscle, kind of figuring out where do you get this information? What do you do to do that? We're required every year to complete um, a certain number of uh, MIR hours. So it's um, career credit hours, whether it's legal or cultural diversity or things like that. And on top of that, um, there's additional classes that we can either take through the academy, through surrounding jurisdictions. There's also um, a variety of uh, seminars and things that are available throughout the country that we can go to. Um, on top of that, it's it's a matter of just reading mm. a lot, a lot of reading, just to try and figure out what's out there, what's new um, with DNA, or picking up one of the more recent forensic medical texts or, or something like that. It is just a lot of a lot of going out there and finding something new. Right now or last week, there's was the International Homicide Investigators uh, Conference uh, in, I think it was in New Orleans this year. And just as an example, some of the classes that they have uh, or topics that they had investigating involved infant deaths, investigating uh, force on force. And it sounds like even just having a sense of your own community. Mm-hmm. Um, you gave me, ahead of our conversation, a wonderful quote about lessons coming from everywhere for all, through all of life. And, and I thought that must really be true. You must really be drawing raw material from all sorts of places you don't even necessarily think of as raw material in what you're doing. And then at some point, it kind of fits into a picture that you're trying to piece together. Is that right? Yeah. you Particularly in this area, you get a vibe on what's relatively normal for a particular location uh-huh. like within Arlington County. Either what what happens roughly during a particular time of day, whether it's, you know, two o'clock in the morning versus, you know, noon on a Friday. I'll tell you what, Roslyn looks completely different. It has, you know, different things going on, yeah. um, different people that you'll see out. And there's normal versus not so normal. Mm-hmm. Normal for up north of Williamsburg Boulevard is quite different from down in Sherlington. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of that you pick up just by working in the area. Some, you know, I used to live in Arlington, so some of that just by living in Arlington and, and you know, being here on a daily basis doing grocery shopping, you just, um, you get used to the pace of it. You get used to how certain groups of people will react to different situations. Um, or not, and you just kind of go with the flow, really. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Interesting. So what sort of 
questions do you ask yourself as you go about your work? Usually, what am I missing? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. That's always running over and over in my head. Are there classic things that that get missed along the way? It just varies. Sometimes you're inundated with so much information at one point in time, mm-hmm. and you, you're trying to organize it, and you just need to be able to make sure that, that you have everything, and you just need to re, you know go over it again um, and, and just make sure that there's either something that you have that you didn't see you might have to look for something like that, or you might have all this information, but you're missing this one little piece and you uh-huh. didn't realize it uh-huh. uh, previously. So that is that is what I spend a good portion of my time doing. Because your job is not only to sort of collect all of that information, but to sort of weave it together in a story for prosecution purposes. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Um, so like that's I, actually kind of two different things. It is. Mm-hmm. Um like I, like I mentioned before, it's you've got the – in order to be able to present anything in front of a jury or, or prosecution or grand jury, or even the defense for that matter, is you have to be able to try and explain to the best of your ability the who, what, when, where, how, and why. And you might not necessarily have every single one of those pieces, not for lack of trying – but it's, it's as best as you can to try and get that story because there are going to be people on the outside looking in who weren't at that situation. Mm-hmm. And you need to be able to articulate to them, you know, who were the key players? What happened? When did it happen? Where? Was it in Arlington County or not in Arlington County? Because that's a big deal. How did this come about? Something is a as innocent as just a, an offhanded remark. How did that turn into... Someone getting, you know, hit over the head with with something and turned into a large argument, mm-hmm. and and that kind of goes along with the the whys as well. Mm-hmm. But it's a lot of that is just report writing. But the way of getting there, very much is is through interviews, is through search warrants, is through just a, a variety of different means. Are there questions that you wish others would ask? I mean, you know, it's, it's one thing for you to be asking questions as stories unfold, but are there Are there things you wish other people were curious about that would either assist in your work or um, or not get in the way of your work? People very often have a tendency um, to brush things off. They uh might be right in the middle of, of, of a situation, and they'll, they'll have those little hairs on the back of their neck that just kind of raise a little bit. And they might know that something feels off, uh-huh. but they won't act on it, or they'll suddenly just kind of turn away and not, you know, not pay any attention to it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. those are the people that sometimes could be the most useful in certain situations because they might be right there as something's happening. Uh-huh. They're the uh-huh. firsthand witnesses. And at the same time, uh, occasionally I'll run into people, it's it's funny, but I can't tell you the number of times I call people up and they're like, well, I, I, I can't believe, you know, it took you this long to get a hold of me. I, you know, I've, I've <laughs> wanted to talk to you about this, that, the other thing. Uh-huh. And, well, I didn't even know about them until now. Um, but I'm easy to get hold of. It's 911. <laughs> right. So, right. and even if for some reason we can't speak with them right then and there at that particular time they call it doesn't mean we're not going to get to them as soon as as soon as we can and as soon as the more immediate items that we're going to lose um are taken care of Uh so that that would be something i think 
I would wish people would. Right. It's the acts of omission as much as the acts of commission. It's sort of that that Sherlock Holmes quote about the, you know, the the absence of the dog's bark being relevant Mm -hmm. information. So are there things like that if there's not information? Does that particularly pique your curiosity? You know, things that you would expect to be the find that you don't find? Is that part of what you're looking for? Actually, yes. Uh-huh. Um, and it's funny you mentioned the dogs because that actually does. Oh, really? It is, it is relatively frequent. <laughs> uh, I mean, people have dogs. Do you have a story and, you can tell about that? Um, the one that's off the top of my head, I actually can't talk about at the moment, okay. unfortunately. <laughs> uh, but it's it's... It is very much like that, you know. If, if a if a burglar breaks into your home and the dog, uh-huh. you know, doesn't bark or sleeps through the whole thing, but that's not a normal. Uh, mm-hmm. hmm. Is it possible that that person is there relatively regularly, or uh-huh. if the neighbor is used to hearing the dog bark all the time, but um, but the person reporting the burglary says that their home is burglarized, and the neighbor says, "Oh, I never heard, you know, uh, oh, the yeah. dog barking." Uh-huh. Hmm, there's there's some interesting red flags there. It's the routines or, or what should be a routine that doesn't actually occur for whatever reason. Um, same thing like mail getting picked up at your, at your neighbor's. The neighbor picks up the mail every single day or the neighbor, you know, wakes up every morning and opens her drapes in her front window. And then one morning she doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, and for a couple of days later she doesn't pick up her mail either. That's kind of a clue that there's something right. that might need to be looked into uh-huh. a little bit. Uh-huh. Interesting. So I have, you know, based on the show, I guess, a bias towards the idea that curiosity is a good thing. But do you think there's a way in which curiosity could be bad or that, you know, contributes to criminal activity or, I mean, is it ever not good from your perspective? Hmm. I don't know. I think I think generally it's usually a good thing unless someone goes about satisfying their curiosity in a way that's unsafe. Um, uh, uh-huh. One of the, the most, one of the things I can think of off the top of my head is the number of times I've been on a traffic stop with an individual who has an extensive criminal history uh-huh. um, or might be known to have firearms charges or we're dealing with a stolen vehicle that was wanted in relation to a robbery. And you'll have someone who comes in and just walks in between our car and that car and they don't realize the danger that they're putting themselves in because they're just not luckily they've never been in a situation where they had to think (laughs) about that they don't recognize the situation to know right and and it's the it's it ends up becoming a safety issue on occasion Uh um, because they want to see or they want to be close or they want to to just jump in and, and sometimes it's not necessarily the most appropriate Right. Time or route. Right. Actually, that's a that's a great segue. I was wondering, you know, are there are there things that you wish people knew or were curious about in your work? It's not like TV. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't I think know. that. So tell me more. Um, I, I, I can't tell you how convenient would it would be to have this magic computer where I could take a fingerprint or I could take blood and just like somehow, sh- you know, shove it into a hole and I suddenly get this picture in 30 seconds with this person's name and where they live and their driving history and their fingerprint and where they work. And it just doesn't work like uh-huh. that. You know, <laughs> it it could take months huh. sometimes to get blood work back. It could take, you know, days, weeks, months or years to get a fingerprint match back. 
sometimes trying to get financial information or, or any other type of information could require a search warrant. That's not an immediate process. That could take a few hours. It could take a little bit more than that, depending on how much information you're trying to to get in or, or whether you're trying to, to uh, protect certain other people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I, it's funny, well, not funny, but I find myself very frequently trying to, it's one of the first things I tell people, this is not fast, this is not a quick process. Be as patient as possible, know that we're trying to plug away at it, but it might not, uh, the, you might not see the results as quickly as you would hope or that you would expect from what you see on TV or in the media. Yeah, yeah. You know, a couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to do a ride-along in one of the mm-hmm. cruisers in the county, which was fascinating. Mm-hmm. The poor officer, <laughs> I mean, I was with him for four or five hours, and I was just peppering him with questions the whole time. And at some point, I was asking, I was like, okay, describe to me what you're wearing, because of course, he's got like 30 pounds of stuff mm-hmm. around him. I mean, I really have to say, it was such a great opportunity to um, to get an, a better understanding of his work, your work. I felt, I came away thinking, well, this is so cool. I'm so proud of Arlington's police department. But but what a, what a terrific opportunity that was, too. And I know that there's something called the Citizens Police Academy. Do you know anything about that? There is, and actually I just saw, I think we're accepting applications for it right now. Um, I think that's right. I think maybe up till September 1st or something. So yeah. the timing here may be good. But. I don't know the deadline, but I know that um, that, that is coming up. I think if you go to our website, mm-hmm. um, but I think you can reach it through arlingtonva.us slash police, I believe. You should be able to, to find a link okay. to that. So there are other ways for people to learn more about the Arlington Police? Uh, yes, actually. Uh, in I'm trying to think, August 27th. Uh, at Kenmore Middle School, we're actually hosting a block party. Oh. Um, it is hosted by the police department. There's going to be a variety of, of different activities for everyone from little kids up through adults, uh, and including something called 15 Minutes Behind the Badge, where you kind of go through this. If I remember correctly, it's just like a little mini FTO. Um, and then they What's give an you FTO. Some, oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> A little mini academy and then uh-huh. a little mini field training, you know, session. So oh, okay. oh, they'll cool. run you through different scenarios with with actors uh-huh. and people you can interact with. And you'll have a field, quote unquote, field training officer there with you um, who can kind of explain to you uh, how things could be done differently or, or, you know, different things to think about when mm-hmm. you're dealing with this particular type of situation. So that could be fun. I guess that was a, that was a huge hit last year, actually. Oh, I can um, imagine it would be. Mm-hmm. All right, people, August 27th, Kenmore Middle School. Great opportunity. Yeah. Well, thank you. Before I let you go, I warned you, <laughs> kind of a non-standard part of your day. We're going to make an analogy. So here's my big jar of wannabe analogies. You take a slip of paper. Whoops. Go ahead. And I'm going to take one for myself and then one for our audience so they can do this as well. Okay. And the task is to make an analogy to curiosity with what, uh, whatever's on the slip of paper. So I can go first if you want, or um, you can go. This could be entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> want to give it a shot? Sure. Okay. I have driving a car. Oh, all right. Which is probably good with curiosity. It, it, to a certain extent, your curiosity, you kind of, there's there's an appropriate time and an appropriate situation for everything. <laughs> um, the only thing I could think of is, for example, if you're driving a car, but you're not paying attention to where you're going because you're looking at something in a different direction, you could end up in a very bad situation. Uh, same thing with, at least with my line of work, if you're, if you're investing in any case, if you're headed in one direction, 
but you're not really paying attention to something else that you uh, need to be, oh, yeah. you could kind of lead you off track. Um, oh, that's great. Yeah. It's something you always kind of need to think about, trying uh-huh. to look at the totality of the circumstances, but also filtering out what ends up being, for lack of a better word, junk or just kind of, you know, noise, unfilterable uh-huh. noise. So Cool. Well, thank you. So mine is spork. <laughs> um <laughs> You know, I put some of these words in here, but I invite other people to put words in here. So I don't always know what's coming out of this jar. So curiosity is like a spork. And for those of you who don't know, a spork is a plastic utensil that is part fork and part spoon. So I will say that um, curiosity is kind of a hybrid like a spork. It incorporates a lot of different things. um, And it's a multifunctional utensil. Um, and that for audience, we kind of have a theme going here, it looks like. Yours is taking a road trip. How is curiosity like taking a road trip? Let us know. Hashtag analogy. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for this. This has been a lot of fun. I'm excited for the uh, 15 minutes behind the badge. and um, it should be a good time. Uh, and look forward to other opportunities with the Arlington Police here on WERA. I know we've got a couple of those lined up. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. You're listening to WERA LP 96.7 FM, streaming and on demand at WERA.FM. Stick around. Wendy Mann is coming up next with the Story Hour. She's got hot books, cool topics, interesting guests, and excellent tunes. It's fun. Special thanks to our guest, Detective Sarah Bertolini, Arlington's police department, as well as Bruce Black, who knew just who to ask. Do you know something about curiosity? Are you wondering about curiosity? Is there someone you think I should be talking to? Join the conversation on Facebook and Twitter. Choose to be curious. You can also reach us now at choose to be curious at gmail.com if you don't like social media. Don't forget to send us your road trip analogy, hashtag analogy. I hope you'll join us again next time. And until then, choose to be curious.